Welcome, this is Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie today. And our wonderful co-host, Rebel HQ contributor, Jessica Burbank joins us. Jessica, we're honored to have you on the show today. And hopefully there'll be lots of back and forth and we can just get into it. We'll start though with a story that much of the country continues to talk about today. That NFL game, a player laying motionless on the ground, the country, perhaps some praying, others guarded, holding their breath, hopeful that this young man would survive. We'll tell you what's going on here. It happened last night, the NFL game suspended after player DeMar Hamlin collapsed on the field there following a play. Let's show you fan video of exactly what happened, the aftermath, people reacting to it. Here's what else you need to know. Hamlin received CPR right on the field. It went on for several minutes. He was placed eventually on a stretcher, eventually into an ambulance. He was given oxygen, we learned, upon entering that ambulance, which transported him and some family members to the hospital. Hamlin's just 24 years old. He suffered a cardiac arrest following a play with his heartbeat restored on the field. According to the team, he is now sedated. He's listed in critical condition. Now, the incident inspired, if you will, some to don their worst behavior yet again. Right wingers online began speculating as if with this young man's life hanging in the balance, this was the thing to do. The cause of the medical emergency they speculated was due to the COVID vaccine, you see? Right there, Charlie Kirk, Joey Gilbert, Grant Stinchfield, Kevin Sorbo. This is a tragic and all too familiar sight right now. Athletes dropping suddenly. There have been too many recent died suddenly cases to deny it anymore. This is not normal. Ken Hamlin, not dead, critical condition, the world, fans, family waiting to learn his fate and this is what these right wingers decided to do. And so Jessica, I'd ask you to react to that first. I don't even know where your mind goes or how you come up with this drop of a dime. But indeed they did yet again. Yeah, this is something that we saw a handful of folks talking about when it came to NBA games, doing sideline interviews. I think Sideline Sanity had an interview where they briefly touched upon, you know, athletes dropping dead because of the vaccines. So this was something that they were talking about. Now, this is just something that happens to athletes. I have a friend, I played college lacrosse. I have a friend who dropped dead on the field. Years before COVID, this is something that happens. And in the NFL, when you're sustaining substantive injuries, people tackling you to the ground, hitting you in the chest, you falling to the ground, getting the wind knocked out of you, this is something that can happen. We don't know, there is no scientific evidence that points to the vaccines causing this. There is scientific evidence that shows that COVID can cause cardiac arrest and blood clots. So when you consider those options, when you're deciding whether or not to get vaccinated, I mean, the choice should be to get vaccinated. The right spreading misinformation is putting people at risk at the end of the day. 
Yeah, and I think you put it very intelligently, very succinctly. None of the people who tweeted this nonsense is a doctor, I don't believe. Could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong. But that was not really even their purpose. They just wanted to get out misinformation and muddy the waters. Again, a 24 year old young man, his family in the stands accompanying him in an ambulance, not knowing his fate. And this is what they decided to do. Also, while his fate was hanging in the balance, you had FS1 host Skip Bayless, who if you're a sports fan, a lot of people know his work, a lot of people know his record. He strives to be opinionated and controversial somewhat. So here's what Skip was up to. He had, well, a different tasteless take on the matter, implying the game should have, should not rather have been stopped. So again, this young man collapses, the players understandably freaking out. Some of them immediately start praying, crying, everybody holding their breath. So Skip says, hey, no doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game. But how? This late in the season? A game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. Really, Skip? Okay. Uh, immediately there's backlash for that. And Skip Bayless did sort of kind of try to moonwalk it back. So then he throws up this tweet, let's put it up there. Nothing he says is more important than the young man's health. Well, not long before this, it was not that important to you, Skip. That was the point of my last tweet. I'm sorry if that was misunderstood, but his health is all that matters. Again, everything else is irrelevant. I prayed for him and will continue to. I mean, this is how you pray. I don't know. I don't know what more we need from you, Skip. Bayless did not acknowledge the tweet at the beginning of Tuesday's Undisputed. That's his hit show. He appeared emotional, though, about the incident. His co-host, though, Shannon Sharp, did not appear on the show. Hmm. Some online now speculating it was in protest to Bayless's comment. Okay. And I'll ask you to react again, Jessica, because sure, and this time of year, right? Because you got the run up to the Super Bowl, the playoffs, everything is on the line here. Shouldn't it be instant though that you move beyond sports and into, I don't know, the human arena when something like this is going down? How can they postpone the game? How will they make it up? It's so late in the season. There's really no way in my view of getting around it. Perhaps you have a different take. Yeah, I mean, the dynamics here are quite troubling. And there's a racial component as well. I mean, when you have sports like the NFL and NBA, when you have players that are majority black, majority people of color doing the hard labor, putting their bodies on the line for the entertainment of others and so that the owners who are majority white can make a profit. I mean, there's clear racial components to this. And for the fans, it's like, why don't you you get out there and play the game for all of us? I don't care that that you're scared right now that your friend could lose his life is in critical condition. You know, I don't care that uh, you know you're in this state and we're asking you to go out there and play a game and now put your body on the line, knowing the possible consequences as has just been demonstrated. I mean, it's a lot to ask of someone, but you're putting your entertainment uh, above literally their lives. Like that's that's the dynamics here, and it's that serious. And if you're 
you know, the NFL or if you're ESPN or a streaming network, it's so obvious that that the motive there is is profit, so that they can continue to get their viewers, their advertisers can continue to advertise on the game stream, so that all of the sponsorships, you know, get their money from the game. There's so many dollars on the line, and that is so clearly the priority, especially when you see the replay of what happened, of him collapsing on the field from every possible angle. And when we cover the story, we have to use a fan video because there's so much copyright protections on that stream. It's so obvious that the game has been adapted in every possible way to make it as profitable as possible. And now I think it's time for them to make it as safe as possible for the players as well. Yeah, I, again, I think you're spot on. And there seems to be a lot of collusion. I was monitoring things this morning and I noticed there was a lot of comment from some of the regulars, some of the famed NFL reporters. And of course, you can't be that unless you're kind of sharing a bet with the NFL because they won't allow it. They'll run you out of there, okay? They'll run you out of there. And they seem to all be quick to say, hey, my reporting, the NFL at no time discussed Continuing with this game, my reporting shows the NFL played it just right. Since when has the NFL played it just right? Really, really? Okay, uh, not and and you know you make a strong point too about the racial component. And I'll say this: all these other players on the field, you're right. You know, it's like shut up and dribble, or in this case, shut up and play football. How could do you think they want to go on? They don't even know what what happened here. They don't know if their teammate, their friend, their colleague is going to survive. But no matter that, skip, no matter. Not everyone embodied a trash box behavior <laughs> during this critical moment. There were plenty of people while Hamlin is still hospitalized who said, what can we do to help? And they decided to donate. And they did it again and again and again, millions to his toy Drive, the Chasing M's Foundation Community Toy Drive. It's up to an incredible, okay, his goal was 2,500. You see it there. It's up to an incredible $4,105,560. Okay, like we said, not everybody wants to be trashy. Some people say, you know what, I feel helpless. I am wanting this young man to survive desperately. Be be whole again, his family to be okay. What can I do? Okay, I'll donate. I'll do something. I'll donate. That's what they did. The world of sports too. You know, that incident will continue to monitor in the NFL. But what about NC State announcer suspended after, well, yeah, it's a racist remark. We'll let you hear it. One other bowl game involving an ACC team going on, that's the Sun Bowl. And amongst all the illegal aliens down in El Paso, it's UCLA 14 and Pittsburgh 6. That's with 11.15 to go in the second quarter. I thought he was playing a racist character. This is like a parody. This, this man actually said it, I'll tell you his name, NC State radio broadcaster Gary Hahn. Now suspended indefinitely after making a reference to quote, illegal aliens in El Paso, Texas. People still use that term. It was announcing an out of town score during the Wolfpack's loss to Maryland in the Duke's Mayo Bowl on Friday. I still wanna know, is this real? Han is an employee of Learfield Communications, NC State broadcast rights holder, was disciplined by the company NC State Athletic Director 
Boo Corrigan deferred comment to Learfield Radioactive, didn't want to touch it. Wolfpack Sports Proprieties General Manager Kyle Winchester said in a statement relayed by the school, quote, Learfield has suspended Wolfpack Sports Network play-by-play announcer Gary Hahn from his agreement indefinitely. Following comments made during today's Duke's Mayo Bowl radio broadcast. While giving the score of Sun Bowl on Friday, Han said, quote, down among all the illegal aliens in El Paso is UCLA 14, Pittsburgh 6. Sun Bowl canceled its annual fan fest last week because the city's convention center is being used to house migrants awaiting immigration decisions, making El Paso a hot button topic for political commentary. That from the News and Observer. Han, the North Carolina sportscaster of the year in 2011 and 2020, been the voice of NC State football, men's basketball since 1991. Jessica, I would ask you, again, people who are fans are sometimes rabid fans, including when it comes to college sports. And they don't like change, and they want things to go on forever and ever and ever. What is the likelihood given this, really, he was the sportscaster of the year? <laughs> a couple of years ago, what is the likelihood he'll be back? Or do you think, because this is a pretty, this is a pretty strong statement from Learfield Communications. Do you think that they've turned the corner and they're not gonna look back? Yeah, I think we've seen so many times over someone wait for the media cycle to run its course. We have a short memory as Americans. There are so many people who have been caught saying terribly racist things, doing terribly racist things, and they keep their jobs because we're not talking about it in the press anymore. And some people forget about what happened. To say illegal aliens, he of course should not keep his job. First of all, seeking asylum is perfectly legal. Secondly, the term alien is a dangerous one. It's a white supremacist term to say that because people are crossing the southern border and these people are so different from us, they may as well be from another planet. That's a disgusting thing to say about another human being, not to mention so many people seeking asylum over the southern border are refugees fleeing conflict started by the CIA intervening in many countries across Latin America and the Caribbean. So to blame these people for seeking a better life and doing so legally and to talk about them as illegal aliens, not even a normal part of your commentary as a sports broadcaster, just mentioning El Paso and you have to bring this up. There are so many things going on here. He was clearly making a political statement and it was a bad one. Yeah, and there's just something about him, and I, I hope we can put the picture back up again because I think you make a strong point yet again. This is not his first rodeo. He went out of his way to be a bigot, to be racist, ignorant. He went out of his way because this is actually not a mistake, it's who he is. And I'll make another point because I think when you're on the air as long as Mr. Han has been, and you've been crowned sportscaster of the year. What do you have to do to get that, by the way? I mean, how many people do you have to be, you know, offend and be controversial to get that twice, including during the pandemic? But I think in his case, you become full of yourself and you forget that it's a privilege, not a right to speak to people. You know, that you don't own the airwaves, by the way, neither do the colleges and selling all these rights. You don't, they don't belong to you. So it does seem to me that. He's quite pompous, as you said, to go out of his way to make this political, racist, bigoted, ignorant 
statement when, wait, hey, buddy, why don't you shut up and dribble? Why don't you just stick to the game? Yes? Yes, a thousand percent. It's that part. Can you put it up one more time, Jordan, please, the picture? Again, I had to ask the team, is this parody? Is this some movie about, you know, a racist who calls the game and then gets beat up and, you know, turns over a new leaf? Normally that's like something that kind of leads into the holiday, the Christmas season, you know, like the Grinch and then I forget how the story goes, but I think people visit this person and they kind of say, listen, this is or was that the what 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 holiday am I thinking of? Or what holiday movie am I thinking of? Where they visit him and he turns over a new leaf. Jessica, maybe you can help me, I don't know. But I really thought that this can't be a real person in 2023, but it is, it is. I'll know, it's the one with Tiny Tim. And even that, all the connotations, okay, related to that one. That's a whole nother segment, much more indisputable. Boy, I know you want Dr. Richie back. I assure you he'll be back soon, okay? But for today, it's me and the lovely Jessica Burbank, Rebel HQ contributor. I'm Sharon Reed, and for Dr. Rashad Ritchie, more indisputable when we come right back. Welcome back to Indisputable, I'm Sharon Reed. And for Dr. Rashad Ritchie, our co-host today, Jessica Burbank, Rebel HQ contributor extraordinaire. We're honored to have you here, Jessica. Um, unbossed, so many people are fans of the show. We love Nina Turner. Subscribe to Unbossed with Nina Turner by scanning the QR code or going to youtube.com slash TYT. On Unbossed, Senator Turner exposes how the elites in government, media, other sectors game the system and what people could do to fix the corruption, restore democracy. You can tune in daily, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Again, subscribe to Unboss with Nita Turner. All you have to do is scan the QR code. Let's get you some viewer comments right now um, already. You're reacting to our first segment, the NFL player, Damar Hamlin suffering cardiac arrest, TYT member, Mickey C, the silver haired dragon, we can always count on you. Mickey says these reactions from the disgusting right wing does more than give them an opportunity to spread more misinformation. It invents their total heartlessness, lack of caring for others and having no empathy. I find that more frightening than their lies, I do too. I think you're exactly right, Mickey C. About the NC State announcer suspended after racist remark, Lynn says, imagine what Han says. You're so right, Lynn. Imagine what Han says when he's not broadcasting. There is that. From YouTube, Snack Panther. Ooh, we, the lovely Sharon Reed and Jessica Burbank. Great show, ladies. We appreciate you, of course. More on the NFL player suffering cardiac arrest, Johnson Hunglow. This is truly frightening. How long? Has he been playing contact football? Obviously, something was missed, overlooked in his physical workup. I wish him well. Well, age 24, if he started with Jessica Pop Warner, I mean, it starts so early. And I know they say, oh, well, you know, don't hit, keep your head up. They've got all these. Football's a violent game, it's a very violent game. And I don't know if. These things happen, you know, you mentioned, I think you said it was the sport was lacrosse that you said, Jessica, that your friend was playing and and had 
a collapse, but it could just be the wrong hit, the wrong time, the intersect of that very moment and, and the worst happened or, or could happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he also ended up passing away on the field years before COVID as well. So not the vaccine. Yeah. Uh, again, we'll keep following it. We thank you for your viewer comments. Always keep them coming. Uh, let's move on because I, I love to say it's it's perhaps a segment that's gonna dog us forever because they're not going anywhere. But it's also one of my favorite ones because we get to call these people out um, by their moniker, if you will. Uh, I wish a Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a In Sunday? You're gonna feel free, back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. He needs to go back to Iraq. Bitch. Muslim piece of shit. Bitch. Bitch, yeah. Yeah, look. You Islamic piece of shit in my country. Go back to your country. Get the out of my country. And there you go, another example, right? TikToker, that Dinesh guy confirming the identity of this male Karen. He is a one-armed surfer. And listen, he's proud of it. One-armed surfer gained some notoriety in the past for what he can do physically. Now we know he can do something else, like tell people off, okay? But again, that Dinesh guy has outed him, James. Pellegrine, okay? Um, we hear Jessica often with these Karens, in this case, a male Karen, uh, referring it to referring to it as my country, mine, mine, mine. I see this male Karen as a miserable guy, okay, that's obvious. But I also see him as someone who's hurting, who's just so angry and mean because he's unhappy with himself. And the one thing he can point to is the lie that this country belongs to and was perhaps founded by people who look like him. Yeah, absolutely. I think that my country thing just doesn't hit right. It's like, you know, my people came here on ships with guns and, and stole this land and, and brutalized people and built this country for people like me and people who look like me. And I'm going to assume you're from the only Middle Eastern country I can name, Iraq. And I can name that country because it's a country we've recently invaded with our imperial colonial power that we're continuing to use into the 2000s. I mean, there's just so much in this and the fact that he clings to this identity as a white male. It's because we live in a society run by racist, patriarchal capitalism. And he gets all of his value from the power he has in a society like this. I think it would be much better if people got their value from treating members of their community with decency and respect and kindness and friendship. But we don't have that. And instead we have you know, these male Karens and it's hard to say male Karen because I think they're our other K's that maybe more accurately that part, <laughs> yeah, KKK. But um, yeah, it's violent too. And I think you gotta pause and and really reconcile that the behavior is violent. Now we've seen these Karens, male Karens, usually turn over, you know, an aisle of items on their way out the door, throw something. There's a reason why for some that that plexiglass, that bulletproof glass, sometimes. Is there 
And this is why, but the verbal attack, the verbal assault, if you will, that's just as violent sometimes, don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. It makes someone feel unwelcome in a place that they're trying to call home. Who knows why he's an immigrant if he is an immigrant? You know, it's very possible the person that he's addressing was born in this country and this is his home. So yeah, just absolutely disgusting to make someone feel unwelcome is a form of violence in a place where they're supposed to feel like they're at home. Because what would have happened if he said something back? It very well could have escalated into physical violence as well. Absolutely, we've seen that happen. Um, So the term Karen, initially when it first became Popular when it first won out over others. Remember Becky? You know, I thought thought Becky might win at some point. But no, Karen is universally accepted as a rude, racist person. Okay, there she is, the bird watcher. Remember her? Okay, get back. I feel threatened, police, the whole thing. Let me weaponize the police. I mean, they're everywhere, and Karen is not going to change. It's what, what we're going with. However, there is, well, it is a trend now. Where you have women who have started to legally change their names, ditch the name Karen because it's just too dangerous to be called that. And they want to start fresh. They don't believe they are the embodiment of that. And so they are taking measures to change their name. Karen Taylor says she is changing her name because of its misuse. Here are her grievances. Let's put those up. As someone named Karen, when you go home and turn on the TV or go on the internet, you're as likely as not to see your name being misused. Karen Taylor, 56 year old small business owner told the Post, you walk around with the tag that says racist. Okay, that's from the Post. Karen has constantly seen her name dragged through the mud since mocking Karen memes went viral in 2020. While vacationing in Florida, she spotted a no Karen's sign at a bar and once canceled her order at a local coffee shop that sold no Karen stickers. That's how offended she is. By May of 2020, she'd finally had enough and started going by a new name. And now she's in the process of legally changing her name and officially leaving Karen behind. It took me a couple of sleepless weeks to decide I had to change my name. She said, Karen is a great name. Being forced to give up your name, the first thing your parents gave you is a big deal. Taylor's parents are both deceased, but she thinks her name change is something they would have approved. They would have approved of this, she thinks, as Jewish Americans with a family history of changing names to avoid discrimination. Some parents are crushed, but I tend to think of it as something my parents would have understood. On Facebook, women named Karen have created anti-bullying groups to support one another with memes like this. Hey, Karen, you know what? You're pretty awesome, this inspirational message. Let's give you some of the history on how Karen became synonymous with a stereotypical rude and racist female. Until just a couple of years ago, Karen was, well, an innocuous name derived from a Greek word meaning pure. (laughs) That is rich. And one so popular that it was given to nearly 2% of girls born in the mid 1950s. But things changed in 2005 
when comedian Dane Cook took a shot in a stand-up routine declaring every group has a Karen and she is always a bag of that part. The joke took off on Reddit, made inroads in the black community as a catch-all moniker for problematic white women. Unfortunately, the popularity of the name Karen has only grown because of the many females who feel entitled to belittle others. Entrepreneurs have caught on, they've capitalized on it by creating Karen diners across the globe where the waitresses are unpleasant. <laughs> so I would say this, or I'd ask you this, Jessica, the Facebook groups, I'd like to start there. These women who are so offended and need this this reinforcement, this positive energy, and those who say, you know what, we're gonna change our name. My first thought was, well, at least they're able to do that, to change their name and then change their circumstance. How ironic. Yeah, that's exactly right. Some people cannot go in public without being racially profiled and harassed, have the police called on them, maybe be arrested and detained and lose their freedom, or at worst, murdered by the police. These people just have to change their names. You can't change the color of your skin. And it's very telling that the decision they made when it came to these Facebook groups was not, hey, it seems that we need some education about systems of oppression and and the racial history of the United States within the community of white women. That was not their approach. They weren't like, hey, there are some members of our community that are not acting right. Instead, they're like, you know what, you're fine and valid as you are, nothing fundamentally needs to change. That's very telling that they're not acknowledging the actual root of the problem. Yeah, why not wear it? Why not wear it and everything that comes with it? Like so many black and brown people, so many others have to do. Why not just own it? You know, is the term Karen rude? Sure. And Karen's are rude. Why not own the term lock, stock, barrel, the whole thing? And maybe place yourself in somebody else's shoes. It still wouldn't be <laughs> deep enough, okay? The shoes still wouldn't fit. But it does occur to me that there are some who say you should feel sorry for these people who perhaps have not been caught on cell phone recordings doing some of these deeds. But it seems to me those who are entitled enough to make a Facebook group like this, Jessica, I would guess they've had at least a few Karen moments. Yeah, there's some kind of guilt behind why do we need to defend ourselves, right? Instead of doing something to make the world a better place to say, you know what, I'm going to be a good Karen instead. They accept to some extent by making this group and going on the defensive that they are the type of people that fit what we usually associate with the name Karen. And it's been misunderstood so many times. Like there are definitely still some people that will harass others in public. We covered this on Indisputable. There was a Karen that was called a Karen during an interaction. And she said, you know what, I do care. Saying she cared about her neighborhood and that's why she was being labeled a Karen. That's an interesting reclaiming of the word Karen. If you wanted to actually show that you care about your community, maybe treat the people who live in the community with respect and decency and unlearn the hate that's in your heart. Then you might actually care. Then you might actually be a caring Karen, but they don't wanna do that. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is a lot of work. That's a heavy lift. 
unpacking exactly. perhaps your whole life, your lineage, your privilege, all of it. That's a heavy lift, but I think you're exactly right. As someone who, you know, the Google pops up every other day, I get a Google. Sometimes it even has my middle initial E. And it talks about people, sometimes their obituary notices. Sometimes these people have robbed a bank. I don't feel any kind of way except, oh wow, I feel bad for the family, you know, the obit. But if I'm not dead and I didn't rob the bank, what do I care? Okay, I know there's Karens out there. I know what the term is used for. What do I care, right? Just saying. Much more indisputable when we come right back. The wonderful Jessica Burbank, Rebel HQ contributor, is our co host today. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Welcome back to Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Jessica Burbank, Rebel HQ contributor, is our co host today. When you sign up for an annual membership, well, you get to spin the wheel to win limited time perks for. TYT. One of those prizes is a Canvas 2024 T. You can check it out. Sign up at tyt.com slash spin or scan the QR code to get started. It's that easy. Again, just sign up for an annual membership, spin the wheel, and you win those limited time perks from TYT. When we say members make TYT possible, it is not hyperbole. We literally we can't do this thing without you and your opinions. They matter to us more viewer comments now. TYT members, Cray Cray Souffle commenting on the male Karen who harassed the gas station worker. OMG, call Marvel. It's the Mr. Clean Karen mean thing. Well said. I don't even think Marvel wants to touch that. Who wants to see that on repeat? Okay, but I agree with you, Cray Cray. Lynn. I might be more upset. This is about Karen's legally changing their names. They're fed up with being targeted and singled out and profiled. Lynn says, I might be more upset if my name was Marjorie or Lauren. I agree. Okay, I agree. YouTube now. David Moore says about that male Karen at the gas station owner was harassed by the cameras, very unkind to right wingers. Perhaps could be bad lighting in there, but he was awful sweaty, foaming at the mouth, and saying vile things. So that's ugly in and of itself. But yes, not not ready for picture day. David. B. Teeling says, we need to realize that it's not our country or planet. It's not a lease option to buy. We are caretakers. Who are failing? TYT contributor C. Michael Henson, thank you for your contribution, says this about the male Karen. This is my country, while thinking in his head, my country that we stole from people that were already here. That part. Women have started to legally ditch the name Karen. RJL Network says, where's our nice Karen? People are asking the question. And finally, Capri Chick Cancer Moon says, my name is Karen and I won't be changing my name. I've had it for 55 years and it's too late now, LOL. As long as you're monitoring your behavior, no worries. That's how I feel, Capri Chick, that's how I feel. As long as you're monitoring your behavior, what do you care if someone makes up a name about Karen's, okay? It is what it is and your lineage and what your ancestors did is what it is as well. 
So there's an update on reparations. They're coming for you. Okay, Barbados is coming for you. Benedict Cumberbatch's family has been pressured over slavery. The Barbados National Task Force on Reparations is narrowing in on the Oscar nominated actor, Benedict Cumberbatch's family's link to slavery. They're not gonna drop it. Benedict Cumberbatch facing demands by the Caribbean nation of Barbados because his family lineage owned a sugar plantation. It housed 250 slaves that we know about. The Caribbean nation of Barbados is starting to hone in on wealthy descendants of slave owners as part of a campaign to get reparations for slavery. Barbados's National Task Force on Reparations, part of the CARICOM Reparations Commission, previously focused on seeking reparations from colonial powers and wealthy institutions that made hefty profits from slavery, that from the Guardian. Well, that has changed. It is now singling out specific families. You can't escape this. They're calling you out by name. David Denny, a leading campaigner for reparations and the general secretary of the Caribbean Movement for Peace and Integration, told the Telegraph, any descendants of white plantation owners who have benefited from the slave trade should be asked to pay reparations, including the Cumberbatch family. So let's talk a little bit about their family history. Cumberbatch's ancestor, Abraham Cumberbatch. Bought the Cleland plantation in the 18th century. That, according to the Telegraph, it housed some 250 slaves until slavery was abolished in 1834. There was probably some carryover. You know, everybody didn't get the message. Everybody didn't get the message. Per the Daily Mail, the Cumberbatch family made a fortune from the plantation. After slavery was abolished, the family received a payment, <laughs> 6,000 pounds from the British government, a sum worth about a million dollars in today's money. According to the Daily Mail, Cumberbatch's mother warned him, don't use the family name professionally because you're gonna get called out. The actor has spoken publicly about his family's slave owning history. He told the Telegraph in 2018, we have our past. You don't have to look far to see the slave owning past. We were part of the whole sugar industry, which is a shocker. Well, it wasn't a shocker to you. you. You've known about it since you were a child, your family. The Cumberbatch name, it was a proud name, a rich name. But now Barbados is coming for you by name, okay? Cumberbatch previously portrayed a slave owner in the Oscar winning 2013 movie, 12 Years a Slave. He also portrayed William Pitt. The younger in the 2006 movie Amazing Grace about the battle to abolish slavery in Great Britain. According to the Daily Mail, Cumberbatch viewed the role in Amazing Grace as a quote, sort of apology for his family's role in the slave trade. Rather than taking a movie part, and perhaps our investigative team can tell me, you can just tell me if he donated all the funds, okay, his salary. From his movies now, he did not. You see this crack team, they're on it. Rather than giving a verbal apology via your performance, I guess, okay. I mean, he's Oscar nominated, he's a good actor. Why don't you give the reparations? Jessica, his mother warned him. He was obviously proud enough of the name and decided to go for it. 
Isn't it time to just pay what you owe? It's not your money. You didn't earn it. Yeah, is he a good actor though, or is he just a natural? Is it just in his blood? Mm, ways that part, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> is it a shocker though that his family yeah. was in the sugar industry and owned slaves? I mean, his name is Benedict Cumberbatch. It's like oh he owned slaves, his ancestors. Yeah, yeah, his name is Benedict Cumberbatch. Like we could extrapolate that. But the thing is, a lot of people get up in arms about the reparations issue because they feel that you know these descendants are not the people who enslaved people and and brought them to this country and profited off of their labor no but they've inherited the wealth and have had every possible benefit with the money made off of enslaving people and off of their forced labor that wealth should be given back. That's that's very simple, it's clear as day. And so long as that's not corrected, there is no justice. Reparations are necessary, not to mention countries like Barbados, who had people that were a part of their labor force that were forced to be slaves for other countries and other families in other countries. And so they've lost that labor while industrialized nations today benefited from that. And so they're due that money back from the other nations and from the families which continued to hold slaves after it was outlawed. The fact that the Cumberbatch family was paid by the British government, but there are no reparations given tells you everything you need to know about how far we've come since the era of chattel slavery. And it's not very far so long as reparations are not given. Yeah, it's so rich that you know to pay them for what was taken away from them, give them a nice push into the future post slavery. They got all that money, million dollars in today's money. And he's silent. Other than that performance, as you pointed out, perhaps was based more and rooted in reality than any script from a writer's room. I think you're exactly right. There he is. And I doubt that Mr. Cumberbatch, Benedict Cumberbatch, it probably is an old, old family name, Benedict no, Cumberbatch. <laughs> it's so rich. I doubt that he struggled at all. There's a lot of people who go off and they, they say, I'm gonna make it in Hollywood. And I wanna be an actor and I don't wanna take every part. I'm gonna do what it takes. He didn't go work in any sugar fields. He went and he's now a celebrated Oscar award nominated actor. What did he sacrifice? And why won't you talk about reparations? You didn't take your mother's advice, which was hide the ball. Don't announce yourself, be careful. So now you need to own it. You need to show yourself fully. And I think everywhere he goes, he should be asked for the money. I think if he walks to Barbados's version of a Starbucks, I think any native Barbados person, man, woman, child should say, hey, mine's on him, charge it to his account. What's it gonna take for people like Benedict Cumberbatch, Jessica, to, I don't know, a light bulb to go off and say, you know what, maybe I could at least get back half, do something. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, if there's one thing we know, it's that the Frederick Douglass quote is unfortunately true, that power concedes nothing without a demand, never has, never will. And I don't think these people will give up any portion of their wealth for reparations unless they are required to by law or so much pressure is put on them and they're made so uncomfortable. And it's also a privilege that we have the documentation to trace back their family lineage to find out who was the owner of, of slaves. Because people who are the descendants of slaves, don't have the luxury of knowing who their ancestors are or where they come from. And so we should absolutely use the documentation that we have to figure out who is responsible for this and and tax the wealth back from them and reinvest in communities of color and give it back directly to people who are the descendants of slaves. It's it's a clear process that is very possible. And the, the only reason we haven't had governments attempt reparations is because we still have white people with all of the wealth who are the descendants of slaves using that wealth to influence politics in the United States and all across the world. Yeah, it's part of the reason why no matter how you felt, the royal family, Queen Elizabeth passed away not that long ago. Not everyone is celebrating members of the media with the same narrative, ignoring black and brown people who were raped and pillaged across the globe for how many hundreds of years. That's not their story. Maybe your story is not their story. It's not insensitive, okay? It's not their story. Horrible things happen. Can we at least talk about the truth? Let's talk about Dana White and the truth he's facing after getting into a physical altercation with his wife. Dana White and his wife got physical with each other on New Year's Eve. That's how they chose to celebrate. Onlookers were stunned at the violent encounter. Happened in a crowded Cabo San Lucas nightclub. Let's show you the video of the altercation. You heard the horror from the crowd. They're they're celebrating. They recognize a celebrity, a real tough guy. Sure, she hit him first. I'd like to point out though, there seemed to be a slight delayed reaction before he slapped her back. To me, it looks like perhaps this is not uncharted territory for Mr. White. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, I don't know, okay? UFC President Dana White and Annie White, there they are in happier times. They've been married for 26 years, celebrating Saturday night with friends. Things took a turn shortly after they all welcomed in 2023 at midnight. Surely they wished the altercation would have happened last year. Instead, they're gonna be facing this and this is how they're gonna have to mark 2023. According to eyewitnesses in the club, Dana and Anne, both seemed heavily intoxicated prior to the violence. And the video seems to bear that out because things went from zero to 100 in an instant, seemingly for no reason. Further, we're told the conflict was all over in less than a minute. That from TMZ, we'll get to them. 
Dana spoke with TMZ directly about the incident. He's a friend of TMZ, you can tell. He admits he and Ann have been drinking heavily, but quickly adds that's no excuse for him getting physical, he told TMZ Sports. You've heard me say for years, there's never ever an excuse for a guy to put his hands on a woman. And now here I am on TMZ talking about it. He says he's embarrassed by this quote horrible incident. And he and Ann have apologized to each other. He says they're good, but their biggest concern now is for their three kids with whom they've already discussed the fight. Dana and I have been married for almost 30 years. This is Ann White speaking to TMZ about the incident. To say this is out of character for him is an understatement. Nothing like this has ever happened before. Unfortunately, we were both drinking too much on New Year's Eve. Things got out of control on both sides. We've talked this through as a family and apologized to each other. I just hope people will respect our privacy for the sake of our kids. Subject of domestic violence involving members of the UFC has been a recurring issue. Imagine that. 2021 UFC legend Chuck Liddell recently arrested, jailed for an alleged domestic violence incident. The most blatant act of domestic violence from a former UFC fighter came from John War Machine Copenhaver. Is this for, I mean, that's War Machine is what he goes by. And this is the most blatant act of domestic violence, March 2017. He's convicted of 29 felony counts after raping and assaulting his ex-girlfriend, Christine McInday and her lover during an incident. UFC Hall of Famer John Jones arrested in 2021 following an alleged domestic violence incident in Las Vegas against his fiance. Jones claims he never struck his fiance, Jesse Moses. Although the police report from the incident states that she was bloodied and scared to even talk about Jonathan. So both Dana White and Ann White say they've talked this through as a family. This is isolated. She goes on to say it's out of character for him and do respect our privacy, Jessica. It strikes me that what Dana White did here was get out in front of it with friendly media who didn't rake him over the coals like they would some other people. I've seen them do it with certain NFL players. Okay, I've seen them do it. But this is a friend, let me help you Dana. And then the wife who, if you really think about it, the statement's all about protecting her husband. She doesn't really say much about herself. Hey, he's never done this, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how to feel about her because I do think that when people are in certain circumstances, and I don't know what's going on in their marriage for it to escalate like that. And for an insider to call it, it went from zero to 100. It looked like there's a little buildup, like they were arguing. And again, she hit him first, pause. And then this is Dana White, it's not a fair fight slapping her. What's your take, Jessica? 
Yeah, we would respect their privacy if this was something that happened in private and they didn't publicly comment on it. And if it wasn't representative of a larger issue in our society, I mean, the predisposition for people who are regularly violent to exhibit violence in the household is very clear. I mean, the stats are there for the UFC, the stats are there for the police. Cops are 15 times more likely to commit domestic abuse than the general population. There's something terrible going on here where it seems the trend follows this direction of women getting more agency in society and then being subject to more violence in the household. I mean, when you're in this role of being the wife to a cop or the wife to someone who is a regular fighter, you understand that what they go and do all day long has to do with violence. I mean, people bringing their work home is a huge problem. But there's also the power dynamic here of women gaining agency and independence in society and also men at home struggling with their identity and what that means for them. And if that means that they should be dominant over their woman physically when it comes to finances, when it comes to politics, it can get violent. And I think that there needs to be a discussion among men about seeking help when you feel violence towards especially your partner. We also know that the statistics show that women are much more likely to be the subject of violence with intimate partners. I mean, what's going on here is a much bigger issue than just Dana White. Yeah, it certainly is. And it's it's horrific to watch, it's horrific to think about. And then the, to prop the children up, our three kids. What else have your children witnessed behind closed doors? What else have they seen with mom and dad? And they know dad's power. And you're absolutely right, because power is not just about his physical strength over her, towering over her. Let Ann White file for divorce tomorrow, if that's what she gets the courage to do. And we'll find out just how isolated an incident it is. We'll find out if Dana White tries to destroy her, hold the purse strings over her head, and even perhaps Take advantage and seek more custody of the children. I mean, maybe I'm speculating going too far down, but this is a story that's already been written with so many others. So many others. What do you think about the statement involving the children? I think to to back the media off. And then if you will, Jessica, comment on the media and TMZ because my it doesn't take much to smell it when Media is being friendly to someone, and you know they wouldn't treat somebody else like that. Yeah, absolutely. The the thing about the kids, to even comment on it, suggests that that you're on the defensive, right? Please, CPS, don't try and come into this home and see what things are like, or talk to the kids and get a statement from them. To try and say, you know, we're good parents because we've been upfront with them about the fight. I don't know. It doesn't reassure me about anything because the fight itself happened. And then TMZ to give them preferential treatment because Dana White is a friend is just disgusting to give them the opportunity to comment. And I'm sure that the wife was under tremendous pressure to give a favorable comment for several reasons because of the financial aspect. If she's financially dependent on her husband, so many women stay in terrible situations because they don't have a lot of other options financially because it's hard to make it out there on your own. 
not to mention the kids being involved. But let's imagine that that this was a black man and what had happened here. You know, I'm thinking about so many celebrities who have been dragged in the media because something of less severity comes out about something that happened between their relationships. It's just emblematic of the kind of racism in our society, especially in the eyes of the press and the eyes of the media and how these things play out in the treatment of celebrities. Yeah, I'm pretty disgusted with TMZ's portrayal here and their propaganda campaign that they're complicit in and maybe even helped them with it. I don't know how close he is with Harvey Levin, who knows? I don't know if Harvey Levin was involved. I'm just saying TMZ, that's hand in hand, right? Creator, executive producer. The whole bit, but I think you're exactly right. When I listen to TMZ in the aftermath of Will Smith's disgusting slap on Chris Rock on Oscar night. I mean, they, they ate off of that for days. And I'm not suggesting that Dana White is Will Smith or Chris Rock. But Dana White has a lot of fans. He has a lot of capital out there. And the way they tackled this story, it's kind of disgusting. Much more indisputable when we come right back. Welcome back to Indisputable. I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Jessica Burbank is our lovely co-host today, Rebel HQ contributor. And I said it, I love your commentary. I think it's spot on. You're the meat and potatoes of each and every topic. So just I love having you. I hope we get to I hope I get to come back. You'll definitely be back. But as I said, buckle up, you never know. Okay, I could be canned tonight. Um, let's get you some viewer <laughs> comments here. It's okay. I had fun while it lasted. A TYT member at VVV, Benedict Cumberbatch's family pressured over slavery. Here's the comment, big ups to Barbados. It has more guts than the US. Yeah, we won't even talk about it, will we? We're not, you're not even allowed to talk about it because it makes some people feel uncomfortable. So I want to talk about it, okay? About Dana White and his wife getting into that physical fight there. Benedict, well, let's go with this from YouTube. More on Benedict Cumberbatch's family pressured over slavery. Northside Yanks. Ooh, that. Should happen here to some of the old southern states plantation families before and during the Confederacy. I live in Georgia, okay? You let that happen here. And heck, if, if some of them have to sell, it's a fire sale. I love to buy real estate. If I can get some pennies together, I'll, I'll buy it, turn it into something healthy and good. Try to rewrite history that way, okay? That's what you want to do. David Morris says, Cumberbatch, who played Sherlock Holmes, once aided a man being picked on, robbed by teens. It was just around the corner from Baker Street. Okay. About Dana White and his wife getting into that physical altercation. Larry Billups says, what happened in the house came out to the street. That part, that's what Jessica's saying here. Sure, we're happy to respect your privacy until it spills out into the street. They're probably there on a public appearance for all I know, getting paid to show up there. Okay, they're in that VIP section. People know Dana White's there. Aggravated progressive says, sounds like it'll happen again. I'm betting dollars to donuts. Well, I hope Ann White doesn't get slapped again by her superstar, really big fighter husband, Dana. But I get why you think that. Twitch, 
more on Cumberbatch's family pressured for reparations over slavery. Anna, your hair looks great, Dragon says. Would have been great PR if he donated his salary and then some from the movie to the families who were harmed. I didn't hear anything about that. I asked the investigative team here on Indisputable, crack team said it did not happen. Has not turned over the money from the performances that he is quoted as saying. Apology, that's apology for slavery, okay? And one more for you. Three 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 nine four oh nine says Cumberbatch, you played yourself. That part, Jessica, you're right. Um, listen, you've heard you right. I mean, you've heard you've heard the term "your money's no good" here. It usually means that we're so proud of you. You're so big, you made it. We got you, all right? Don't pull out your wallet. We got you. What does it take? For people to say your money's no good around here. Um, because, well, not much. They're giving it out to vile racists now, apparently. The NYPD is recognizing vile, disgusting, proud racist. NYPD helping proud boys commit fair evasion. Actually helping them. Come on through, racist. Your bigot, every bigot gets in free. That's exactly what they did. NYPD, be afraid. NYPD gave members of the Proud Boys free rides on the subway last Thursday following a protest that disrupted a drag queen story time in Queens. Okay, so this is, boy, they, they had to get there. This is, this is what it was about, right? You watch and you tell me what you think. Proud Boys don't have to pay for the fare. No, Proud Boys don't have to pay, pay for the we're fare. We're special, thank you. You don't have to pay for the fare. Appreciate wow. it from your tax. Proud Boys don't have to pay for the fare. Oh, thank you. That is insane. Proud Boys don't have to pay for the fare. Three dollars. Three dollars. I'm sorry. I just need you. To go out oh, I have to pay for the fare, but they don't. Right. Is that the situation you're saying? That's correct. If you're proud, say it loud. You do not have to pay the fare. These bigots just got to go right in. And they were taunting the counter protesters behind them and the journalists who were told, you wait your turn, okay? Non racist in the back. Video of the incident posted to Twitter and TikTok shows MTA workers holding an emergency gate open for members of the far right extremist group at a Jackson Heights station as NYPD officers escorted them through. They got a police escort. This According to LGBTQ Nation, according to the New York Daily News, the incident followed a clash between the Proud Boys and counter protesters over a drag queen story hour event on Thursday, December 29th at a Queens library. Police had pepper spray was used by members of both groups during the confrontation. Councilman Chikar Krishnan, who represents the 25th district estimated there were 500 protesters with Counter protesters far outnumbering the anti drag protesters. Right? Jackson Heights showed up today to stand with Drag Story Hour and our LGBTQ plus neighbors. We outnumbered the haters. Here he says 401, 100 rather. Drown them out with chanting, drumming, dancing, and ABBA sing along. See, that's what ticked the proud boys off is the last part, the ABBA sing alongs. That was too much. And they needed a police escort from NYPD out of there.
Okay, Abba was too much. Chikar Krishnan goes on to say, and despite tense moments outside inside the library, the performers handed out crayons and coloring sheets. I changed my mind, that's what did it. Okay, the coloring, too much joy, too much happiness, too much color, right? To a packed room of parents and kids before their reading. They all enjoyed a fun, calm hour together in our safe, welcoming library. This is Queens. Here's a statement from NYPD released this week on Monday. To de-escalate the situation and prevent further violence, a decision was made to escort one group to the Jackson Heights subway station to remove the group from the area. Due to the urgency and rapidly evolving situation, a determination was made to place the group on the subway and remove them from the area before the situation could escalate further. They had to save the racist and they didn't have much time. Everybody knows the Proud Boys can't take care of themselves. They're the victims and so the police had to protect them. Spokesperson also said one person, 32-year-old John Curry of Grand Central Parkway, Queens, New York, was arrested in connection with Thursday's protest. The NYPD also received two arson complaints in which an unidentified individual allegedly poured a substance on two unoccupied vehicles and set them on fire. Those cases are still under investigation, the spokesperson said. You might want to check the Proud Boys for lighter fluid. Okay, but you escorted them through and said, you don't have to pay, just come on, get out of here quick. Councilwoman Sandy Nurse, who represents Brooklyn's 37th district, retweeted the video on Monday, tweeting, We pay 10 million every month to pay about 120 private security guards to stand by and prevent fair evasion. I guess it's cool for homophobic white men who participated in a violent attempted coup against the nation to evade. Fairs. Well, yes, Councilwoman, you're exactly right. It is cool. NYPD thinks that is very cool, okay? So they said, come on through. And basically told the other people who had to pay to kind of just shut up and wait. Nurse added, whether it's a de-escalation technique or not, it's still symbolic. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem like our priorities are in place. Well, Councilwoman Nurse. The priorities are not in place. The priorities are protecting racists and allowing them to evade the fair. New York State Senator Jessica Ramos also tweeted echoing similar sentiments, just spoke to the precinct. They said they had to escort the Proud Boys because they were picking fights with people on the street like vendors as well as reporters. Still, this wouldn't look so hypocritical if NYPD would stop arresting people of color over a $2.75 fair. Jessica, I'll stop there and let you put in your two cents. And then apparently NYPD was happy to add the other $2.73, okay? <laughs> what do you, what on earth? Yeah, what on earth is absolutely right. I mean, it wouldn't look hypocritical, not only if they were arresting folks for evading the fair, but just if someone is black and is disturbing the peace and suspected to be violent picking fights with journalists, you detain them, they end up in jail and could go to Rikers in New York. But if they're white, you give them an escort. That's the hypocrisy really there. If someone is black, the instinct is that they're up to worse things. Your instinct is conspiracy theories. If they're white, you make excuses for them and give them preferential treatment. 
why don't they have metro cards? Like why can't they just pay the fare and go through the subway? You could escort them and still make them pay the fare. Is it that they're not from New York City, so they don't pay the taxes to subsidize the subway system and help pay the fare? That's exactly right. But a single mother who lives in New York and pays taxes in New York would still have to pay the fare and could be arrested if she does not. I mean, the hypocrisy here is on full display. Hypocrisy is something they love. Before we move on to the next story, I should button it with this. You know, because again, the NYPD says they had to make a tactical response, Jessica, and you. Myself, we've never been police officers. We've never faced this kind of danger. They had to do what they had to do, except there's more. One individual present allegedly caught the NYPD also pushing and trampling counter protesters, some of which included kids. So there's that. Yeah, pick your battles. And apparently, the battle was against the non racists that day, that part. Yeah. Kevin McCarthy is currently in a battle. He desperate, how bad do you want the job, folks? How bad do you want the job that you're willing to have a liar, a purported thief, a fraud? Just everything's phony about this guy, but George Santos is still relevant because Kevin McCarthy needs him to become Speaker of the House. What are you Speaker of? Apparently, nobody likes you, or not enough people in your own caucus like you. Even though you tried to live up to the billing, you tried to lie. You tried to support the lie. You tried to moonwalk back on the truth, and it's still not enough. But George Santos believes that Kevin McCarthy can squeak it out. Listen. Uh, he garnered 188 votes from the Republican conference. Uh, he'll need 218 votes, though, to be sworn in as speaker in January, something that uh, Matt Gates and Andy Biggs, they have adamantly opposed. Uh, George, do you anticipate McCarthy coming up with those additional votes in time uh, for the floor vote in January? Well, look, the way that I'm, I'm understanding is that, that what are our options? Are we really going to end up passing over the gavel back to the Democrats when we have the majority? I think at the end of the day, we're all going to come down. This is this is this is very procedural at this point. But I think at the end of the day, what are we going to do? We're just going to let the speakership go away from us? No, McCarthy's going to be the next speaker of the House. You can write that down on a piece of stone, and you'll you can cash it in on January fourth. I'll I'll pay you for it, Jen. Who are you going to pay? And with what? Who with what? The stolen money? Brazil says you stole. What money are you going to use to pay here? George Santos, incoming congressman. Santos will be taking a seat under active criminal investigations. It's plural, investigations. An older case has resurfaced. Let's tell you a little bit about it. Brazilian law enforcement authorities intend to revive broad charges against Mr. Santos. Why? Well, they're going to seek his formal response, according to prosecutors. The matter, which stemmed from an incident in 2008 regarding a stolen checkbook, had been suspended for the better part of a decade because the police were unable to locate George Santos. Then he revealed himself and he won a seat to Congress. And he has the right currently to be seated 
amongst some decent people and some liars. It's his right, okay? But now Brazil knows where he is. Spokesperson for the Rio de Janeiro Prosecutor's Office said that with Mr. Santos' whereabouts identified, a formal request will be made to the US Justice Department to notify him of the charges, a necessary step after which the case will proceed with or without him. Just a month before his 20th birthday, Mr. Santos entered a small clothing store in the Brazilian city, just outside of Rio. He spent nearly $700 using a stolen checkbook and a false name, that according to court records. Mr. Santos admitted the fraud to the shop owner in August 2009, writing on Oprah, a popular social media website in Brazil. I know I screwed up, but I want to pay. In 2010, he and his mother told the police that he had stolen the checkbook of a man his mother used to work for and used it to make the fraudulent purchases. Again, I asked Jessica, how badly do you want this job? What are you speaker of? That you're relying on this guy. What did he buy with the $700? And why, if you ran away from these, these charges, just some of them, would you reemerge built on this lie? Yeah, I mean, there's some wins and losses with US Brazil relations right now. We've got George Santos in the US House, and we've got Jair Bolsonaro in a KFC in Miami right now. So, wins and losses. But if you're Kevin McCarthy and you're the Republican Party, Kevin McCarthy obviously has one interest, and it's, it's power and money. Uh, and he wants power so that he can get more money. He doesn't want power to use it for benevolent purposes. We know that he's going to do the bidding of US based multinational corporations, take their lobbying money and make himself rich uh, off of investing in stock as well in a similar fashion that our last Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi did. We know why he's playing the game. And the fact that he's willing to let people like George Santos hold a seat, and they were willing to let someone like Herschel Walker hold a seat. It's obvious that the Republican Party will take anyone they can get so that they can stay in power and line their pockets. Yeah, and I don't even know if they know what power looks like. We're running out of time, Jessica, but we can give you this late breaking news as McCarthy has failed to win the House Speakership on the second ballot. Bobert, in her squeaky voice, actually said, I vote for Jim Jordan out of Ohio, okay, <laughs> okay, that Jim Jordan. Uh, Jessica, quickly tell us where folks can find you. Yep, TikTok, Twitter, uh, and here on TYT. All right, well, we love you, love, love, love having you. And I've enjoyed my time here on Indisputable. See you tomorrow, I'm Sharon Reed in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Indisputable, I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today, but what do we do on this show? We tell the truth, you know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here, congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. People still need healthcare, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform throughout this country, so I won't stop, and you won't stop either.